SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV broadcasts from, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and their elders, past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yama, and welcome to Night TV Radio. Coming up in your program this Friday, the 6th of January, have a conversation with uh, Ben Tyler, the food entrepreneur and creative behind Kakadu Kitchen, one of the most exciting First Nations food brands in the Northern Territory. As you'll hear, Kakadu Kitchen is one of the highlights of a new tourism NT campaign showcasing the unforgettable Aboriginal experiences in the Northern Territory and also shining a light on the state's First Nations people. Also, their dynamic stories of leadership as they share 65,000 years of knowledge from the world's oldest living culture. In the program today, we also have a conversation with Samoa born Andrew Sua a man who's been embraced by the Mutijulu community. In our conversation today, we'll be talking about uh, Andrew Sua's work to keep Mutijulu community safe and thriving. Finally, we'll turn our attention to one of the few positive things to emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, the crisis has brought about more flexibility in the workplace, allowing many people to work from home. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news on NITV Radio. Bertrand Tungandami, I am Bertrand Tungandami. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, newly appointed National's frontbencher reiterates his party's opposition to Indigenous voice. The Health Minister hopeful COVID-19 testing requirements for travellers from China will be temporary. And the US House of Representative chaos enters day three as Kevin McCarthy loses multiple rounds of voting to become Speaker. National's MP Darren Chester has defended his party's position in opposing the Indigenous voice to Parliament, highlighting concerns with a lack of detail. Mr Chester has taken up positions in the Opposition Ministry as spokesperson for regional education, regional development and local government and territories after National's MP Andrew Key quit the party, citing concerns with the National's position on voice to Parliament. Darren Chester has told the ABC while he supports constitutional recognition, he has concerns with the enshrinement of a voice. There is nothing stopping the Prime Minister from coming to the Parliament uh, in the first sitting week next year and legislating such an organisation. And so there'll be in the normal course of business, the members of Parliament, 11 of whom are of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander descent, 
uh, could easily legislate for such an organisation to occur. But once you move to enshrine it in the Constitution, you're saying for all times in the, in the Constitution of Australia, in our founding document, that this body has to exist. And I have a problem with that. And for the first time, the Queensland government has marked First Nations hero Dandali's remembrance as a truth-telling story of state significance. Mr Dandali, a Dalaman from the Black Hole Ranges, was chosen to lead the fight against European colonists who were encroaching on their country and shooting and poisoning them. The warriors of the Aboriginal resistance commemorate Dandali at Brisbane's post office square where he was hung in 1855. Queensland Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Partnerships Minister Craig Crawford says he will also mark Dandali Remembrance Day for the Torwan or a great leader in the Yagara language. Mr Crawford believes everyone in Queensland should know Dandali's story. Incoming weekly case numbers will reveal the intensity of the spread of the new COVID-19 variant XBB1 as Australia enforces strict rules on visitors from China. Although there is no evidence that the Omicron subvariant is more severe than previous iterations, and just eight cases of the Omicron subvariant had been located in Australia at last count, health authorities are on guard after a trip through America. In response, Australia imposed a requirement of a negative COVID-19 test within 48 hours of departure from China, Hong Kong and Macau. Health Minister Mark Butler, while garnering hopes that the travel measures will only be temporary, calls on China to share more information with the rest of the world. This is what governments, including Australia, are calling for. This is why we've put in place uh, these modest measures, sensible measures, out of, out of an abundance and caution. And this is why you've seen very strong language from the World Health Organisation, not just once, but on two occasions now over the last five days. This traveller from Hong Kong says that while it was difficult to organise a last-minute test, he understands the need for the measure. It was actually stressful because we just knew one day before we flew, so we had to organise on the last day to get, uh, to get the appointment, to do the test, um, but then afterwards it was fine. Um, but still, it would have been easier without Australia's coal industry executives are growing confident that they will be able to resume exporting to China as relations between the nations continue to improve. As reports that China is set to resume coal imports after an unofficial two-year ban, the industry is preparing to have a significant hold on the foreign superpower's energy sector. Coronado Global Resources Chief Financial Officer Gerard Zims told the Australian Associated Press that we are a lot closer now to China buying coal again from Australian producers. Prior to the ban, Australian coal had previously accounted for nearly 30% of China's coal imports, which it has since attempted to supplement with Mongolian and Russian supply. Authorities have relaxed road rules for easy access to essential supplies as Western Australia battles its worst flooding on record. Emergency evacuations continued in the Kimberley region on Thursday, January 5, as the Fitzroy River flood peaked at 15.81 metres, smashing previous records as it bore down on the tiny art station community of Nunkanbar. Helicopters picked anxious residents from the Southern Art Station as evacuations continued with three Australian Defence Force planes helping with the airlift. 
The state's Minister for Emergency Services, Stephen Dawson, says the weather event, which has cut off several towns across the Kimberley region, is unprecedented. People in the Kimberley are experiencing a one-in-100-year flood event, the worst flooding Western Australia has ever seen. This situation is still changing and is proving to be extremely challenging for residents in the region. Approximately 60,000 cubic metres of water per second is flowing down the Fitzroy River, expected to create a 50-kilometre-wide inland sea across the flood plain. A New South Wales woman who was deported to Australia from a Syrian refugee camp is set to face court after being charged with entering and remaining in parts of Syria that were under the control of the Islamic State. Ms. Ra'ad was arrested on Thursday, December 5, in Yang, in Sydney's southwest, where she had been living since being returned last October. Australian Federal Police say new evidence led to the arrest and will allege in court that Ms. Ra'ad willingly travelled to Syria in 2014 to join her now-led husband, who left Australia in 2013, to join the terrorist organisation, knowing of his activities and role within that terrorist group. Miriam Rahad is part of a group of 17 family members of ISIS fighters who were repatriated to Australia from a northern Syrian refugee camp last October. Kevin McCarthy has lost the 7th and 8th rounds of voting for U.S. House of Representatives Speaker. The deadlock over the position is now in its third day. Mr. McCarthy had offered to reduce the clout of the Speaker's job in a failed attempt to persuade his hardline Republican Party colleagues to back his candidacy. But one of the hardliners, Lorraine Bobert of Colorado, says her opposition to Mr. McCarthy is unwavering. It was never a personal issue. There is a trust issue for sure. That is for certain. Um, But we were implementing tools to make sure that trust wouldn't be an issue, um, that we could actually work with an untrustworthy leader. Uh, And that was part of our rules package. That was part of our negotiation, having the right personnel in place. And my vote does not get Kevin McCarthy the speakership. I am a no on Kevin. The Republican Party won control of the House of Representatives and thus the Speaker's position from the Democratic Party in November's congressional midterm election. The Speaker of the House of Representatives is third in line to the U.S. presidency. Tens of thousands of mourners poured into St. Peter's Square yesterday for the funeral of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Police estimated that more than 100,000 people were to attend the service in Vatican City, presided over by Benedict's successor, Pope Francis. The Vatican attempted to honor the late pontiff's last wishes with a simple, somber and sober ceremony. Clergy from around the world, a handful of heads of states and thousands of faithful attended the outdoor ceremony as the sun slowly broke through the morning fog. Pope Francis delivered Benedict's eulogy, looking down upon the late pontiff's coffin. Gracious Father, we commend to your mercy Pope Emeritus Benedict, whom you made successor of Peter and shepherd of the church, a fearless preacher of your word and a faithful minister of the divine mysteries. Ukrainians have rejected a 36-hour Christmas ceasefire order announced by Russian President Vladimir Putin on Thursday, January 5. Calling for the truce, 
the truth, the first major initiative, initiative, initiative of its kind since the over 10-month-long war that has killed thousands and displaced many Ukrainians, the Kremlin says Putin had requested for the ceasefire to begin from midday this Friday, January 6. It comes after Patriarch Kirill of Moscow, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, called for Christmas truce to allow people to celebrate as many Orthodox Christians in Russia, in Russia and Ukraine celebrate Christmas on the 6th and 7th of January. The White House has also criticized the ceasefire initiative. Australia's economy could come under strain as the growth of the population is set to slow within a decade with the number of older people increasing and COVID-19 restrictions slowing down migration. New government population data shows that the pandemic has significantly impacted the country's population, mostly due to border closures, limiting overseas migration and putting pressure on a declining pool of older workers. As in other developed countries, the number of babies born in Australia is reducing and people are living longer thanks to modern medicine and healthier lifestyles. The data shows the median age growing from 38.4 years to over 40 within a decade. As people live longer, they will need more health care and other government services, which will strain the economy and make it harder to balance the budget. And to sport, a rained-out second test day against South Africa ended with Australians leading with an impressive performance of 4 out for 4.75. Star batsman Usman Kawaja celebrated the one-year anniversary of his return to the test team with his fifth century in 12 months. Kawaja was on the verge of his first test double century when rain stopped place yesterday at the SCG, leaving him unbeaten on 195. The Australians aim to bat into the third day today, eyeing a third nil, a three-nil test victory over the South Africans and the chance to get a spot in the World Test Championship final in June. And now having a look at the weather around the country, this uh, Friday afternoon, Broome, a mostly cloudy day, 30 degrees, Perth, partly cloudy, 32, Adelaide, sunny, 31, Melbourne, mostly sunny, 26, Hobart, cloudy, 19, Albury, Wodonga, sunny, 28, Canberra, partly cloudy, 21, Wollongong, showers also, 21, Sydney, much the same, 25, Newcastle, showers, 23, Brisbane, partly cloudy, 29. Townsville, cloudy, 27. Keynes, showers and a possible storm, 31 degrees. Alice Springs, partly cloudy, 28. Darwin, showers and a possible storm, 31 degrees. And the Torres Strait Islands, light rain and 28 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. TV radio, on radio, online and mobile. Coming up next, a conversation with an exciting chef, innovator and author who is kicking goals in the top end, taking Bush Tucker to the global stage. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Ben Tyler, founder of Kakadu Kitchen, is joining us on NITV Radio as Kakadu Kitchen is one of the First Nations businesses featured in Tourism Northern Territory's new campaign, Culture is Closer Than You Think. 
a campaign that showcases the unforgettable Aboriginal experiences in the Northern Territory. The campaign is hoping to shine a light on the NT's First Nations Australians and their dynamic stories of leadership as they share 65,000 years of knowledge from the world's oldest living culture and to educate and inspire. Welcome to NITV Radio, Ben. Thank you so much, Ben Chad, for having me on the show. Now, let's first talk about you and your journey leading to the creation of Kakadu Kitchen. Yeah, um, so my name is Ben Tyler. I'm founder of Kakadu Kitchen, which is a First Nations food and beverage company specialising in authentic Kakadu native botanicals. I'm a Benin man from central Kakadu National Park. I grew up on my mother's country, which is Murumburi country, beside the Jim Jim Creek. So I grew up with Bush Tucker growing up um, on our small remote community, uh, learning about Bush Tucker with my family, my mum. In the last five years, I've turned that knowledge of Bush Tucker into a community-based business, Kakadu Kitchen. People say, where is your kitchen? And I say, Kakadu Kitchen is 20,000 square kilometres, 65,000 years in the making. So it's basically when we go out foraging or hunting, you know, we collect bush tucker from country and we make a fire and we eat a meal, you know, with local flavours on country with family. And that's the essence of Kakadu Kitchen. It's the idea behind the, the name. Wow, your kitchen is immense, stretching on so many thousands of kilometres, as you say. But it's also wide in the variety of its offering, from foods, desserts, waters, and even non-alcoholic beverages. That's right, Ventured, yeah. So, uh, you know, I started out in the community uh, doing pop-up events for a Taste of Kakadu Festival, uh, which is a, an annual festival in Kakadu held every May. It's an Indigenous food festival celebrating Benin Mungoi food in uh, Kakadu. That's where Kakadu Kitchen was launched. Yeah, so we do a lot of tourism events for the Northern Territory and Kakadu, promoting a taste of Kakadu and uh, and other Northern Territory uh, uh, events. Now, if one was to come to the Northern Territory, as your kitchen is so big, so massive, where would one have to go in order to be able to really enjoy your creation? I don't even dare call them foods. They sound like uh, creations. Absolutely. It's creation, and I really, really love creating. I'm an artist by by heart, you know, and I sort of fell into business. It wasn't something I went out to do. I sort of fell into it by a need to do something in my community to sort of be able to live, work, and stay in my community. And yeah. I thought, yeah, Bush Tucker would be a good suit. And I love being able to create something that taps into our culture, Benin culture, yeah. and helps share Benin culture, which is our mission, is to share Benin culture with as many people as possible so it lives forever. People can find me uh, every month. I've started a collaboration with the Kakadu Kitchen and Kakadu Tourism I work with uh, so it's myself and executive chef Phil Foote from Coinda Lodge Mimi Restaurant. We hold a monthly Kakadu full moon feast called Did, D-I-R-D, and you can book online at kakadutourism.com. Uh, for, um, we hold the event every full moon or every Saturday 
before the full moon, but never after the full moon. Yeah. Yeah, and we and the dinners are seasonal, so we're following the six seasons of Kakadu, and we we forage with family leading up to the dinner, and then we work with executive chef in the commercial kitchen and uh, present the food and culture to share with our beautiful guests. Now, uh, I saw some of your creations online, the very colorful and mouth-watering creations. Now, so you started very locally in uh, markets, selling bushtaka and salads and uh, juice, etc. Now, it appears you are reaching to a global audience. Yeah, so after I left my community and moved to Darwin on Larrakia country, I wanted to know what it was like to sell on a weekly basis. So I thought, I'll go to the market. And yeah, I started selling bush tucker salads and bush tucker juices that I used to make fresh every morning. I did that for a while. And then I sort of started uni. I started to study. I did baking for a little bit. And then I switched to business when COVID came. And, and then I changed the business to being a reseller of other Indigenous First Nations branded uh, products. That's where I got a love for uh, retail products. And then I thought, oh, I'd love to do a Kakadu Kitchen, uh, you know, food or beverage product in the future. And, yeah, so my first two products uh, were in beverages. So I've got a spring water and I've now got a non-alcoholic cocktail. So it's a collaboration between Kakadu Kitchen and Altered Spirits in Sydney, so A-L-T-D Spirit. And, uh, yeah, we've collaborated on a native peach Bellini. So my family and my community collected native peaches from Kakadu and I brought them down to Gadigal country in Sydney and we worked on a recipe and developed a beautiful, beautiful drink that's non-alcoholic and we've now produced that product and it's on the market. You can get it from P&V Merchants in Newtown and Paddington. You can order online through alteredspirits.com and uh, it's available in Darwin at Porkin, Porkin uh, Deli in Nyquist and also at the hotels in Kakadu, the Quinda Lodge, Kakadu and Kakadu Makua Crocodile Hotel. You just answered my next question. I was just about to ask you uh, where can one get your beverages? They are actually now relatively widely available. And uh, it's also important to note that your ingredients are sourced ethically and you were approached by the UN to make sure that uh, your kakadu plants are harvested in uh, culturally appropriate conditions. Yeah, so culturally appropriate. So I have a commercial wild harvesting permit from Kakadu National Park Board of Management who look after the park. And that's, it's a unique management because it's jointly managed by Binin Mungoi and the government, federal government. Yeah, you know, I had to consult with the board and they've approved me to make, uh, collect bush tucker from country uh, with, Benin, with family, Benin Mungoi people, to make my non-alcoholic beverages. And uh, it's very exciting and the board were very excited about it. And in the future, you know, when I scale the business up, I will then be looking at a commercial farming permit yeah. to take, take that pressure off country and... Uh, yeah, that's the next next part of the business, the other side of it. Now, the little I know about uh, the kakadu plum is that it has the highest concentration of vitamin C than uh, any other plant in the world. 
but I know nothing about the native Kakadu peach that you use in your beverages. Yeah, so we are the native peach Bellini is uh, the Anmarabula, we call it. Anmarabula is a cousin of Kakadu plum. It's the furry cousin of Kakadu plum or the peachy cousin. And uh, it's got a lovely velvety sort of skin. Uh, Mum says it doesn't have much of a taste, and uh, so it's 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 not juicy like a like a peach that you'd get from a shop. It's more, it's quite different, and we've really tried to capture that difference in the plum through making an extract that we've included in the drink. And I think we we're able to extract that flavour, its unique flavour, well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's the first time this product has been commercialised. This plum, as no one really knows about um, Anmarabula, the native Kakadu peach. Now we are right in the middle of the peak uh, tourism season. Can you give us some key dates uh, not to miss uh, so that people don't miss your experiences? Oh, yes, I can. Uh, so the next full moon dinner is on the 7th, Saturday the 7th of January. We're not holding anything in February. And then the next one will be in March, on March the 4th, and April the 1st, and May the 6th. And can you give us a taste of what a moon feast uh, is like? Uh, how many courses? So there are four courses, and we've themed the, the dinners around the moon, you know, to show that seasonality of the ingredients and the country and, uh, you know, life in Kakadu. Yeah, so there's four courses. We, for example, we start off with um, anapadu, which is um, buffalo. And then we have our second dish is a, a vegan dish. And then our third dish is a, a fish dish, barramundi. And then our fourth dish is a, is a dessert. And we have ingredients such as native red apples. Um, in our first dish with the smoked buffalo, we have yeah native red apple, and we've done it three ways as a gel as a powder and as a uh, as a lovely sort of wafer crisp and the red apple is really really beautiful and spicy it's got a lot of spice in it a lot of bite we also do green plum but each season like we forage for what's available in that season and then we work out what the menu is so each time you get a you'll get a different menu so for food lovers, it's actually worth coming every month. Yeah, so so in our, our sixth season, for example, we just finished our Gunameling season dinners. So that went from, that was held in November, we had a Gunameling season dinner. And then December, we had a Gunameling season dinner. And the dish kind of evolved, so if we do it twice. So if you came to the one in November, you'll see that the one in December, we've evolved the dish a bit more as we've got to work with that the ingredients a bit more and the, and the dish a bit more. So each time it is, is a bit different, even if you've come to the same seasonal dinner, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then in January we will have Good Joke, which is our monsoon season. And, uh, yeah, we'll be looking at Anjurukumalba, which is a wild black currant. We'll be looking at Anboipere, which is a white apple. And we'll be looking at bachu, which is a small bush potato. So no feast is the same. That's uh, quite exciting. Uh, it's also said that uh, you're planning to start planting these native plants yourself. I do. I really, you know, in the future, I 
we'll be looking at vertical farming, which I, I was very interested in from a few years back when I came across Kimball Musk, who is Elon Musk's brother, who, who set up the Square Root Company in New York, and it was to help young people get into farming and learn about farming, and they were given a shipping container, and they were able to grow one plant in each shipping container. And I really like that idea of a controlled environment, you know, where young people get to learn and, and just make, uh, learn about farming and produce food for, you know, the community to supply customers. Yeah, and I think that that, that setup would work really well for Bush Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Tell us a bit more of this connection between uh, food, uh, lava, artist, uh, cultural advisor. I don't know how to qualify. You've got so many, you wear so many hearts. Connection to the masks, some of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. You, you mentioned before the UN, the United Nations. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, a really lovely person from New York gave me a call one day and said she'd come across my water. Her name is, uh, my memory. <laughs> Erling Cruz. So a lady named Erling Cruz, yeah, she rang me. She saw my water lily salad on Instagram. And, yeah, she gave me a call. And I was thinking, I don't know anybody in New York. And uh, I didn't answer the call. And then uh, I thought, I'll just call it back anyway and see. And then I rang back, and it was a genuine phone call. And Erling works uh, with the UN, and she was producing this beautiful recipe book with uh, First Nations from around the globe and uh, uh, Kimball Musk, who's an advocate, uh, you know, for the environment and uh, and Hans from Netherlands, who has done a lot in the, uh, you know, agricultural space and a lot of different chefs and uh, leading chefs from around the world. So we all contributed a recipe for the book called uh, United Nations Cookbook for the People and Planet and... Yeah, I got to contribute our water lily recipe from Kakadu, but it was adapted for a global uh, audience. So we replaced the water lily with fruit and vegetables that were more accessible. But uh, the way that we displayed the, you know, the, the items that were collected. Yeah. Uh, for example, the um, the dragon fruit. I chose the dragon fruit because it's got the beautiful dots, and that sort of reminds me of the of 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 what I had in the water lilies with all the seeds, the dots of the seeds and the colours. So each of those recipes, you know, it sort of had a carbon, you know, tells you what the carbon uh, footprint was, you know, to make each dish. And it's just to get people thinking about this idea of, you know, food and how that connects to our carbon footprint and building a more sustainable food system. Now, besides this cookbook, which is an international book, you are also uh, an author of a children's book. Uh, tell us about your work as a children's book author. Yeah, so Diane Lucas, who taught me as a boy at our, at our bush school, at the Tonga School in the 1980s, she invited me to be part of this project called Octopus, which was run by uh, Yo Bell and Erica Wagner in Darwin, where creatives from around the NT were brought together in a workshop over a year just to workshop ideas with no set outcomes. We did this workshop together and during one of these workshops we went, we took Erica out on a walk through the monsoon forest and uh, we were telling stories about our lived experience growing up in Kakadu and what the elders taught us 
and uh, you know we were observing what we were seeing and hearing in the munching forest of different birds, different sounds, the different trees. And Erica really loved loved that walk. She said this is this should be um, like the foundation of a book. And it, and that's what happened. We ended up all of our notes from that bush walk and all of our conversations over the past you know, six months prior, we were able to channel into a children's book, which became Walking in Gagajou Country. Yeah. Um, exploring the monsoon forest. And Emma Long, who illustrated all the amazing illustrations, she was in the workshop as well, but she was working on a different project. And we said, yeah, we would love to work with her. And she really wanted to work with us as well. So we got to collaborate with her. And yeah, it was published by Alan and Unwin last year in 2021. Part of a trilogy, uh, we've written the next book and that will be published in 2024. Wow, wow, wow. There's so much to say about your work. But as we are about to wrap up, I would just like to open the mic to you for anything you'd like to add to the conversation. Yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to my beautiful mother, Jessie Alderson, and my community, Muricho, and the Murumburu people uh, back home, and the whole Bini Mungoi community back in Kakadu. You know, without family and community supporting you, you know, it helps a lot, you know, especially. Um, when we are trying to build something positive for the future. And I just wanted to thank everyone that supported me, yourself, and, uh, yeah, for getting the message out there about health, nature, and culture, and to help me share Benin culture with the world. Thank you. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. In the sidelines of NITV's 10th anniversary at Uluru in the heart of the nation, we took the opportunity to speak to residents who are making a difference for their community. Our next guest is one of them. He comes from Samoa, but feels fully integrated in Mutijulu, a community that has embraced him, and in return, he's giving back by helping keep Mutijulu safe and thriving. My name is Anich Rusua. Is Andrew? People call me Andrew Sua. I'm a manager of a community safe for a Mutitulu community. Originally from Samoa, I came to Northern Territory since 2005. I used to work in. Um, I spent four years in Alikaran community, and Nuka community, Lajamanu community, Yulumu, Tea Tree, and Alice Springs at Yurara College. Now I'm based in uh, Mutitulu, working for the Anganu people and the Pipincharamop. So our job, we bring, we provide all the programs as for the community or for the young people, the teenagers from zero to to 25 or anybody in the community, they need help as well. And we work alongside the community. i got about 16 people working the program. Hopefully the government will get some more money for us so we can employ more people and deliver more programs for the community. Tell us about your journey all the way from Samoa uh, to me, I, I grew up in a family. My family were first missionary. Uh, went to uh, my uncle was uh, about seven generation. Now he went and started church in a in a Batu Island. So I grew up in that sort of environment of people going out. One of my other families went to PNG as a mission. So I got that in my blood. You know, I love my country, but. I'll be honest with you, I'm uh, indigenous and I'm Australian now, right now. <laughs> so you feel indigenous, would you go back to a big city or you're just happy living here? I enjoy going home because I've got family in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Tasmania and other part of Australia. But 
and even I go to Samoa, but I'd be honest with you, I always homesick, always coming back and work with kids. What's the best part of uh, working in a community like this? I went, when you see young people enjoy themselves and see the community at home with families, and, and, and a lot of Aboriginal communities, you know, you can find that. Like old days, when I grew up in Samoa, I used to go next door neighbor to borrow milk, to borrow a sugar, tea. You don't do that anymore back home. It's different. When you go home, everyone got their own TV. But here in indigenous community, most of the family, they all live together, share meal together, things like that. And, and that's where, because that's my childhood back home. We all, you know, I go to auntie's house, we eat there, we're, we're no dramas, always. So it feels like home. Yeah, it feels like home. And that free spirit of um, just go out to the water holes for the kids, having fun, go kick the footy, you know, and, and that's the environment. And, and that's why I've been, ta- I've been working with these young people. There isn't, the indigenous people, they got that natural uh, way of looking after themselves. You know, and in other mainstream um, community, I can tell you, kids, they don't know how to cross the road. But these kids, they can climb the tree, they can jump the tree, you know, off the, off the tree, backflip, 10 meter high. No problem at all. You know, and it's just natural uh, talent, natural, because they grew up in that way. And I hope Australian society can adopt it, this way of life. You know, back to the basic. The extra excitement today, yeah, because if, today we're here at Mutijolo. Yeah. Celebrating 10 years of NITV. Yeah. What's your experience with NITV? Do you watch NITV? Yeah, I do watch uh, NITV. I love the, I love the, uh, uh, the, my favorite program there is Ernie Dinko's program, Going Places. Because I can see places I've been. I've been in, um, in uh, um, Ilikala, up in Cove, to that nice, beautiful beaches over there. He went there, and that's where, and some of the, because this country is a massive country. But watching any Dinko coin places and explaining the the stories and you know the length, uh, the the group of that communities, it really open your eyes and understand you know this is country is a great country, and uh, because you'll you'll not be able to go there because you know this country is it's massive. But watching those program and that's my I'll be honest with you that's my favorite program, and I was sports as well. I was the rugby league carnival, the AFL stuff and. You know, and this is great. It's it's a very uh, good program for our community as well. So people can understand and uh, some of the programming in language. Yeah. And uh, what challenges do you see here in the community? Uh, the the challenge here to, to me is just a, it's it's not jobs. Uh, I think houses is one of the challenge because it's some of the community they're overcrowded and lack of lack of lack of houses, you know, being built. And I think. A lot of young family they still live with the parents and the grandparents because they're overcrowded. In Muchi, they are, that's the issue in Muchishul. We need to build maybe we need another maybe 10 or 20 houses in Muchishul. And to me, they don't have to build a million dollar house. It's just basic, simple design. A lot of a backyard and front yard for the kids to kick the footy in. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's it, you know. Anything you'd like to add to the conversation? I'm thankful for the opportunity and, um, you know, this 10 years anniversaries of, um, of NITV is great. You know, it's been, it's a long journey and I hopefully Australia will continue, the federal government continue funding the program and continue when, because it's reaching out to every other um, community.
as well and is, is a great opportunity for everybody as well for you know for all different people from all different lives and even myself I'm, a, I'm a from Pacific Island but I enjoy living and working in in a in a remote community Thanking you for your company this uh, Friday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. But before we part, I would like to invite you to check our website, nitv.com.au slash sbs.com.au slash nitv radio, because we continually post new content on our website. Till next time, bye for now, and I wish you a safe weekend.